The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Good morning, everybody. Great to see everybody this morning. <laughs> Good morning, Scott Jay. Good to see you. Good morning, so, Don. Good morning, you Scott. know, we've talked. Good morning, everyone. We've talked about this a few times. Uh, interest rates, you know, when they're going to go up, when how long they're going to stay the same. Uh, and again, historically low, but we saw a quarter point jump. And there are some rumors. I'm hearing both sides of this story, Don, that, you know, they could level out in a bit or they could yet go up again. What are you hearing? Well, you know what? I, I wouldn't go with me there, Scott, because I didn't expect that quarter percent increase in the first place. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think it took most financial people off guard. They had a slight uptick in inflation. And um, and so they thought, well, we've got to get this under control again. And I, I know I've mentioned this before, but it takes about eight months for a, an increase to even work its way through the economy. So it's not a knee jerk kind of reaction. You don't just bump up interest rates and say, oh, good, we got inflation figured out. So it kind of stalled out around 4.2% inflation. So they thought, well, you know what, we're we're going to increase interest rates. Well, then what happens two days later? The job report comes out and we find out we've lost more jobs and the economy is actually slowing down significantly. I have a feeling, though, if they put that job report first, they wouldn't have increased the interest rates. Okay? Really? Yeah, because I really think that that would have said, okay, the interest rates are doing their job. That being said, though, um, yeah, the economy is slowing down. Un- unemployment rate is up over 5%. And mm-hmm. so that's fairly high relative to, you know, what we've been used to in the last while. So, you know, where it goes from here, I guess every, you know, crystal balls are, uh, you know, everybody's got their opinion. I still really think, and I would go with the bond markets, interest rates will be falling. Yeah. And what I mean, and I'm going to get into that a bit more in my segment, but uh, I know Jay's, uh, you know, he's he's found a few dollars here and there. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Don, for passing that off. But yeah, just to quickly go on about your crystal ball. Yeah, Don and I have a crystal ball in our boardroom here, and we we look into it all the time, and we don't see much. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so to give. To give uh, projections and uh, future predictions, very difficult to judge on what's going on in interest rate. I was in the same volition as Don saying, you know, I wasn't sure what was going to happen with interest rates. And, and of course, uh, they raise them. So come July, I guess there's another meeting coming up uh, mid-July. So we'll hopefully uh, we'll see what happens then. But again, we don't we don't like to predict because who knows what's going to happen. But and yeah, clearly, talking, yeah. and clearly, you know, coming out of this story, uh, we're, we're still as just as undecided whether they're going to go up or going to go down or going to do anything, which is further proof. Nobody really knows. Yeah, exactly. No, no. <laughs> you know, and then and Don, I think Don's going to touch on it later, too, is, you know, the price of houses coming up and just slightly increasing again so i guess that might have worried the bank of canada a little bit so there's just a bunch of different factors that factor in yeah the employment uh, numbers would have been helpful if they came out before um mm-hmm. it could have could have a factor but the, the rising price of houses are starting to rise again and so that that got everyone a little bit gun gun shy i think as well so lots of things to, to consider when they're uh considering raising interest rates wouldn't want that job wouldn't wish it on anyone that's for sure uh yeah so we're going to talk about uh lost money and don always has these clever titles so my clever title today is lost money and hopefully that gets 
listeners interested. Uh, talking about electronic payments, you know, we use tap at the at the bank machines now or at the at the convenience checkout, e-transfer. Transfers, uh, loss access to accounts, forgotten passwords, all those types of things. So, in this digital age, we 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 te- tend to lose track or not keep it track as much as what we used to uh, when we were writing it down on pen and paper and and keeping a ledger and making sure everything balanced. So, keeping track uh, these day this day and age is very difficult. Crypto cryptocurrencies, you know, they've been trading electronically for a, a long time now. Uh, they're 100 electronic. Uh, back as early as two. 2019, one of the crypto exchange, uh, Quadria, uh, collapsed uh, based on the death of one of their their founding fathers. Um, There was $200 million in cryptocurrency that was lost, basically. And the, the owner of the company had all the passwords, and he was the guy in charge. So... Fast forward, we're in 2023, only 13% of those assets, so 13% of 20 million or 200 million, 26 million of that was recovered. That's it. And so people wow. lost that money. So in, in Canada, we have something uh, called the CDIC where we insure bank accounts. So if money's lost or something goes wrong, um, we do have uh, an insurance in place, but with cryptos, we don't have that. Um, so you're, you're really putting yourself out there or being vulnerable if you're if you're putting money into uh, into crypto because it is all di- digital. Uh, so yeah, that's that's an exceptional case of lost money for sure, but it's not rare. Um, Bank of Canada reports that there's 1.1 billion dollars in unclaimed balances in Canadian bank accounts right now. 1.1 billion dollars. So we could all be billionaires if we just claim all that money. Uh, that's 2.5 million accounts accounts out there that have sat dormant for 10 years plus. So that means no activity, nothing going on. No one's no one's checked to see if there's a balance, nothing, not even checking your balance, nothing. So if the, the account sits dormant for 10 years, it goes to the Bank of Canada and uh, it sits, sits there. And if it doesn't get claims, it just sits there for 30 years. If it's less than $1,000, it sits there for 30 years. If it's over $1,000, it sits there for 100 years. So the Bank of Canada will let it sit there forever. So there's lots of things you can do. There's there's ways to find it, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But just to just to put a put a point in perspective, there's a lot of accounts out there that aren't claimed, and that's just bank accounts. Never mind Canadian savings bonds or stock certificates that sit in someone's drawer that uh, or sit in someone's attic. Um, you know, we we talk about hockey cards and magazines and and little collectibles up in the attic, but there could be stock certificates up there too. So there's just all kinds of things, way ways that people forget about money. And in the digital era, we're finding that more and more that people set up these accounts. Maybe you set up a crypto account with two hundred dollars or a hundred dollars or something like that, and you forget about it. It was in an app. You delete the app, and now you don't have it anymore. So there's lots of money out there that's sitting digitally. Um, the number one reason why people lose track of their money is relocating. So relocating a province. So let's say you had a, an account in BC and it was a, a local bank in BC, a credit union or something like that. And then you move to Ontario and that credit union doesn't exist in Ontario. So you think you close the account, but maybe you didn't close all the accounts or relocating from a country. So if you, you move from the States to Canada and you forget about a, a US bank account that you had or vice versa, you know, you move from Canada and you move overseas or, or you you're a student and you, and you come live in this country, open up a bank account and then leave the country. There's all kinds of reasons why you would, you know, leaving, leaving little accounts out there. Don, you had a point? Yeah. And sometimes what happens, we have automatic um, investments or payments into a bank account. 
And so, you know, even your government check, your old age security can pension plan can go into the account. And so it may have gone in there before you, and you didn't even know it. And then you go and change bank accounts. And next thing you know, that's left open and there might be a thousand bucks or a few hundred bucks left there. Who knows? Adds up though. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. There, like I said, there's uh, there's over two and a half million accounts out oh, yeah. there. So that's with a B, everybody, right? B. No, no, no. Two and a half million accounts. One point okay. one billion dollars. Billion. One point yeah. one billion. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, change it up. So just like you said, John, Don, you, you know, you change your job. You move from one job to another. Maybe, maybe you you switch bank bank accounts when you switch your job, or they or the your your employer has a certain bank they want you to deal with so you you deal with that bank if it's a credit union for example um maybe you start dealing with that credit union and your paychecks go into that account so changing jobs you'll you lose or forget about old accounts that you had uh changing financial institutions again go, goes hand in hand forget about uh inch you might forget about the interest that was paid on an account so you know you have an account with a hundred dollars in it and, and and there's a couple couple cents that get paid to you every month um and if you close the account or pull the pull the hundred dollars out of the account um, and you might leave a couple cents behind. So that's that's one way. But if we're talking uh, investment accounts that maybe have a couple hundred thousand or a million dollars in the account, and you move and you you move middle of the month, and interest is paid at the end of the month, there may be thousands or tens of thousands of dollars left in those accounts that you forget about. Even though you've closed the account, you you really need to go cross your T's and dot your I's and go back and, and make sure that the, those funds are accounted for. Uh, unclaimed inheritance. They, these could be substantial. Um, this is not part of that that bank account number, bank account, Bank of Canada number I, I talked about earlier. There's billions of dollars in Canada that are unclaimed from inheritances, whether it's insurance money, whether it's estate money, whatever it may be. There's there's billions of dollars in unclaimed estates. Um, so. If you have any uh, uh, family trees out there you want to go through, make sure you look through your family tree and see if there's anyone that uh, may have left you a small fortune. Uh, court payments. I was I was shocked at this one. Court payments. Uh, so settlements. So lawsuits that that take years. So um, you know environmental lawsuits, um, physical lawsuits, those types of things. They can take years. So some of the people that are recipients of these may have passed away. And the estates are are entitled to, or not always, but often are entitled to some of these benefits. So, uh, court settlements from past employers. Uh, you know, in Hamilton here, we've got a lot of factories where there's been a lot of settlements with asbestos and things like that. Um, you may be eligible for for a substantial amount of money. Uh, insurance payments kind of go hand in hand with the court payments. Uh, death of someone who who's passed away. Often these life insurance policies aren't claimed on. Um, people forget about that they have a life insurance policy. They may have the life insurance policy with the old employer. So a lot of the finances that were were in place may may be there. But if you if you haven't accounted for everything and put everything in in place. Um, Make sure you have your finances order. Put it in a binder. Put it in a box. Um, mm-hmm. If if you've got a computer file, make sure someone has access or someone else has access to to those computer codes. So your executor, for example, on, on your will, um, you may have deemed an executor as your uh, on your will, um, but they don't have the codes to your computer. So how do they know what you have? They don't have access to your online banking. Maybe you don't have anything sent to the house in terms of statements. So all your online accounts with your bank accounts. Everything's online. There's no there's no bank account. So how would your executor know what accounts you have unless you've given access to all those codes and, and deemed a list of what's available? Um, a quick story about lost money, and I won't go on too much about this one, but I had someone I do some work at my house. 
Um, they had done work previously and I had e-transferred them money to their business account um, and their email. Uh, they accepted the funds. There was never a password. I had sent the money. No big deal. Uh, recently, I switched financial institutions and I was sending money to this individual and I sent the money and money was accepted just like it always was. No big deal. Um, and then then the, the person that did the work calls me back and says, Jay, you know, I didn't receive the money. So I called the bank. I said, you know, I just started with this new banking institution. I don't know what's going on, but I sent money to this person. They haven't received it. Can you track it anyway? Well, they said, yep, it was sent to this email. It was received um, this such and such a date. So I went back to the person. I said, you know, I, I sent the money. You received it. Please check your, your email again. And then I, he said, well, can you send me a, a detail from the the, the bank and, and make sure that it was sent to the right email? So I, I did a screenshot, sent it to him. He says, yeah, Jay, you sent it to the wrong email address. And I said, what? I said, what? Mm-hmm. And I called the bank. I said, now, well, what can I do? Can I reverse this? They said, no. It's just like handing cash over. So I had missed one digit. So it, it was his name with a number. And I hadn't put that digit in there. So I missed one letter or one character. And I had sent the money to the wrong person. Thankfully, I emailed that person that I sent the the money to, and they sent it and they sent it back. Believe it or not, wow. so there are good. There's good people out there. There's really wow. good people. Out, yeah, unbelievable. So I had, you know, I had to send the money twice, and you know, I called the bank and I said, you know, this just seems like there's got to be a system in place that we should be able to reverse the transaction somehow. They said, no, it's just like handing cash over. So when you're e-transferring to all the listeners, when you're e-transferring, double, triple check that you've got the right email address. Um, and put, put your glasses on, Jay. Jay, stop. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're in yeah. denial. You need glasses. You missed the... Yes. Uh, you're 50 now. Come on. Yeah. You're the only Anyways. one in the, you're the only one in this room who's not wearing glasses, Jay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, uh humbling experience being in finance. The actual person on the other end, he actually called me and he said, "Jay, I noticed that you're in financial services." He goes, "This is something you, you know, you must be embarrassed about." And I said, "Well, I'll wait till I talk about it on the on the radio show." So, <laughs> so there you go. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. A quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. We're going to talk about the high interest rate environment. Um, boy, I guess this is, has a lot of people on the edge of their seat right now. Yeah, that's a good point, Scott. And again, a quarter percent increase this week. So anybody yep. that has debt that goes up immediately and those would be variable debts uh, variable mortgage is an example or a line of credit that is based on the prime rate you unfortunately just got a interest rate hike which means okay you got to pay a bit more every month now there's a flip side to this though there's the investor side and we only hear in the in the news about the person in debt side so 
this this adds to the whole thing. Okay, if you owe money, not so good. If you are investing money, it might be it might be extremely good. So let's let's start with the owing side. So home equity line of credits, um, home like prime rate, the prime lending rate, which is based on the Bank of Canada rate, is now six point nine five percent. Okay, put that in perspective. A year and a half ago it was two point four five percent. Okay, that's how much it's gone up over all these interest rates hikes. So just because the prime lending rate is 6.95, a lot of these home equity line of credits are prime plus a quarter, and actually most of them are prime plus a half. So your interest rate might be 7.45%. And so, yeah, that's uh, that's added a lot. So you know what? If you're sitting there and all of a sudden you owe 7.45%, you owe $100,000, that's $7,450 in interest every year. So you're now over $500 of actually over $600 a month, simply in interest on that, on that debt. So it used to be, okay, this is no big deal. I can just borrow money at 2.45, maybe even 3%. I can invest it and make, you know, well more than, you know, 3%. This also had the, the idea of the, and I know Jay said earlier that had the run up of the, uh, the real estate area. Well, I can borrow the money and I can buy a house, rent it out, and pay that, no problem at all. So you're starting to see, okay, can you actually make over a 7% return on your money to guarantee to make sure you can make the payments on that investment loan? It's a lot harder. It is possible, Mm -hmm. but it's a lot harder. At 2.45% or 3%, it was a no-brainer. Oh, yeah, I can do better than that. And at the time, to make it, the markets were both going up, the stock markets were going up, and the real estate markets were going up. So it just made it even easier. And I remember even talking with uh, you know random people that said, "Well, you know, what's a no-brainer? I can go borrow at three. You know, even if the houses only go up by ten percent a year, the equity will keep <laughs> paying that." And I'm going, "Is that it? Ten percent a year? You've never seen a downside in the market, have you?" Okay, we're old enough that we have seen the the, the real estate market go down. And it's gone down a number of times. But because people generally hold real estate for long periods of time, they don't think of the ups and downs. I said, oh, I lived in the house. I bought it 10 years ago or 20 years ago. I bought it for this. It's now worth that. And therefore, you see this increase. And you may have gone through a couple of downs. I know personally, I bought my house in 1989. Great time to buy because two years later, it was worth 25% less. Okay, and And so... Right there in the early 90s was a recession. And, of course, it, you know, things popped back up. But, again, uh, in, in an interesting time at that was the Hamilton housing market actually surpassed, in terms of prices, the Burlington one. And, we, and you know, just based on the quality of the houses, generally speaking, that wasn't the case. You're starting to see that right now, too. Housing prices in Hamilton were almost as high as Burlington prices. So, again, it kind of reminded me of 1992 a bit. So anyway, there's the debt side. Now, you can also see if you're going to go buy a, a car and you're leasing a vehicle, a 2023 Toyota Prius Hybrid, 8.29%. That's the interest rate on that on the leasing now. And you're going, holy smokes. Like there is a whole generation that has never seen interest rates this high. They were getting used to that 3%. They, they Literally, they saw, well, 5% would have been high for them. And now you're talking almost double digits. Uh, one-year mortgages, 6 to 7% for one-year mortgages. So put in perspective, if you had a $500,000 mortgage and you got 6.5%, you're 
you're now paying $3,357 a month. Okay. Mm -hmm. Go back in time a year and a half ago, it would have been because you could get a 2% mortgage for one year, no problem at all. In fact, you can get 1.7. Some people were even getting less. Well, 2% mortgage, the mortgage payment per month was 2,115. In a period of 15 months or 16 months, your payment has now gone up $1,241 a month. And that's only on a $500,000 mortgage. Okay. And that's $15,000 a year out of your pocket that you probably didn't expect to have to pay for. And this is after tax money. Okay. So we're going to get into that a little later in, my, in, uh, in terms of the affordability of houses, my last segment. So another area, and this is the part that's a huge opportunity for those that have money, is bank savings accounts, okay, are earning between 0.01%, call it. I call it zero because it may as well be zero. Um, and by the way, some of these are even called high interest savings accounts. Um, I have one of those. It's not a, it's not making point it's not making 0.1%. It's less than 0.1%. So there should be a, some legal team after this. But anyway, there is some higher interest accounts. And I saw one the other day. It was earning 1.5%. Sounds, hey, wow, that's pretty good. Well, I'd, I'd say not because you can go to other institutions and get somewhere be almost 3% to 4% on some of the non-bank areas. But we, we offer here at IG 4.5% currently on a cash account. That's kind of our bank account, totally liquid, all backed up by T-bills and it's daily interest, not locked up at all. So very similar. In fact, I would argue it's safer because, you know, the banks are, are backed up by CDIC insurance. And so therefore you got your 100,000 guaranteed. Well, if you're in treasury bills, you're backed up by the federal government for the whole amount. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at, say, Stelco, and they got an extra... $20 million they got to park for a bit. They're not putting it in a bank account. They're putting it in, in T-bills and earning 4.5%. Yeah, risk management strategy, right? From a, from a corporate standpoint or an individual standpoint, when you're looking at that, that 100,000 threshold, people try and, try and be clever and open three or four different bank accounts with 100,000 in each one mm -hmm. of them when, when they could just have T-bills in a cash account here and, and be 100% backed by the government as it is. So. So safe, no brainer, absolutely makes a huge difference. So, you know, you look at uh, someone that, and I, I actually came across this last week, uh, a small business, and he's got about a little over a million dollars sitting in his corporate account. Well, most all the corporate accounts aren't paying anything. Well, why don't you put it into a four and a half percent cash account or money market fund or premium money market fund, and you can earn four and a half percent, you know, on a million dollars. That's $45,000 a year of interest that you're missing out on. Mm -hmm. And what a great moneymaker for the banks because they're giving you nothing and they're loaning it out at prime plus, plus a half, at set, call it 7.45%. So uh, absolutely great time. And there's huge spreads right now. So this is where banks generally do better. Now, the, the worry why the banks aren't doing possibly as well is there's some credit um, risk because people may go bankrupt. Because of these high interest rates, people may not make their payments, and banks really don't want to own people's houses. So there is that's what's hold that's the risk side of the bank. But on the other side, where it comes to interest rate spread, what they're paying you to what they're loaning out, it hasn't been this high since 
I'd say the early 90s. So a great opportunity for anybody that's sitting in cash. They should be talking to their financial planner, call us, what have you. It is a, an absolute, it's guaranteed. It's a, we haven't had this forever. In fact, in the past, we were always saying, okay, you know what? We have to put some of your money, a portion of your money in fixed income. Because say you're 60 years old and we want to have, you know, 30% of your money in fixed income. It was almost like, yeah, it's too bad we have to put any money there because it was earning less than 2%. And the government bonds were making 2%, mortgage rates were so low. So the fixed income portion was horrible. And the equity markets, you know, they're doing okay, but it's still too risky to put somebody that's using this money for retirement all in equities. So you had to put money in some fixed income. Well, here we are back, uh, fast forward two years, and this is fantastic. It's like for an investor, this is a, a huge opportunity, great chance to rebalance your portfolio, perhaps. Start looking at the fixed income side of your investments. So there is some difference, you know, huge difference in returns on fixed income. And they're affected by a few things. First of all, credit worthiness. So a, tr a treasury bill is, is backed up by the Canadian government. And you're going to get basically it's AAA. That's a risk-free asset. You do not have to pay you know, there's no extra risk. So that's kind of the base point. So anything further, the, anything better than 4.5%, you're now taking on some extra kind of risk to get that, okay? So one might be duration. How long do you have to lock it up for? Well, if you have to lock it up for, uh, you know, five years, well, now you got some risk because it's locked up for a period of time. Versus a T-bill, it's 90 days. So very little time. So the duration of the bond will affect the interest rate. The other part is uh, credit worthiness. Um, if you're lending it to the Canadian government, you know, you're going to get you know, the best rates, you know, the safest rates, I should say. It's actually the worst interest rates, but mm -hmm. they're the safest. If you lend it to, say, an institution, let's say even the Royal Bank, um, they, they wouldn't be at the same level as the Canadian government. So you would have to, it would call, say, instead of a AAA bond, they'd be a AA bond. So therefore, you end up paying a slight premium. Certain provinces, if you lend it to a bank, uh, sorry, uh, Nova Scotia, they'll have a different rate than the federal government because the provincial rates have a little higher risk. So that's the creditness, the credit worthiness of the institution. So you look at this and say, well, how much difference could that make? Well, it turns out a fair bit, actually, because... Right now, like I mentioned, our T-bill rates are about 4.5%. Well, what if you put it into a bond type of investment and a corporate bond? And right now, the corporate bond is 5.48% yield to maturity. And the average length of maturity is, is somewhere about just under five years. So you can lock your money into a, a bond fund. It will have some variability because it goes up and down every day, but you're getting an extra 1%. Well, what if you wanted to be you know, perhaps a little safer and you wanted to diversify across many different and fixed income areas? Well, we have a, a fantastic product called iProfile Fixed Income Private Pools. It would have high yield bonds. It would have mortgages. It would have real estate. It has many different things. Again, reduces the risk. Well, when you reduce the risk, you also reduce the return. But it's, it would be 4.95% is what the uh, yield to maturity is on that. So at the end of the day, you're, you're getting a better rate of return. So if you need the money right away, the, 
the money market funds are the way to go. If you say, you know what, uh, I have a big project I'm going to use. I'm going to be buying a car in the next six months. You should match the duration to what the goal is. So if the goal is retirement, well, maybe you don't need to put so much in T-bills because it's a longer term. And wouldn't you love to lock up these rates now at 4 or 5%? Well, they, they get better than this. So if you look at uh, things such as a high-yield fund, so this would be, say, a U.S. high-yield fund. This would be investing in corporate corporations in the U.S., and the yield to maturity on those is 8.27%. Fantastic. And you think, okay, well, what's the catch? Well, you are investing in things that have more credit risk, okay? So some of these companies you may not have heard of, but uh, some of them you probably have, like Ford, Mo Ford Motor Company would be part of that portfolio, very well-known company. But they have to pay a higher interest rate than, again, T-bills. Um, Royal Caribbean Cruises, they are a high-yield high um, account, currently paying about 9%. So you have all these high-yield funds in there. And so you, you have, actually, you have how many do you have in total here? You have... Uh, 464 loans in this one portfolio. And with that comes a, a higher rate of return. So you can get yields from anywhere from 4.5% in a money market fund to as high as 9.1% in a uh, floating rate fund. And so the idea is I wouldn't put any of my money in just one sleeve. But you know what? Way better than 0% at the bank. Because you're earn, literally, you're not making any money here. What an opportunity to even earn 5%, 6%. And I would break it down. Put so much that you need for the shorter term. And maybe how much could you go for three or four years. And then maybe some longer term areas. And again, same with your, same with your retirement. Now you might want to say, well, it used to be 25% fixed income. Let's go up to 30% fixed income. Because now at least you're getting a higher rate of return. This is where you really should speak to your financial planner. Say, where's my portfolio now? And let's look at perhaps that 60-40 split, what used to be the standard pension fund. Maybe it's time to look at that again. Again, this is a great question to go through your overall financial plan. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972-7420. Going to take a, a quick break here and we're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. Jay, I know you wanted to touch back on something that uh, you were mentioning in the earlier segment. Yeah, yeah. So I just quickly, just to backtrack, uh, I, I know we're sharing the story about me giving away money to someone un unintentionally, but um, you don't have to open that. To you don't have to open that. Wound uh, yeah, yeah, again, sorry. Just move on. <laughs> Anyways, getting back to the unclaimed bank account balances in the Bank of Canada, uh, there's a couple different websites that you can 
you can look up or just Google Unclaimed Bank Balances Canada and it'll come up uh, or www.unclaimedproperties.bankcanada.ca. Um, search by your last name. You can search by the province. You can search by the whole country. Like I said, there's two and a half million accounts. So you want to refine your search as much as possible when you're going through it. But I did it myself to look up and there was nothing outstanding. So I've done one thing right this week, I guess. So <laughs> well, anyways, go ahead. It's Doc. over 30 years though, right? After 30 years, they, you moved around a lot. If it's over, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's over a thousand dollars, it's there for a hundred years. So uh, okay, uh, okay. I, I got time. I got time to look up those other ones, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the bigger accounts. Anyways, Don was talking about 4% is good. And yeah, it's good if you're in a cash account for sure. Um, but uh, what I'm going to talk about, I'm not talking about mortgage rates. I'm not talking about GIC or cash rates. I'm talking about the value of an advisor. And um, there was a recent study done by Russell Investments Canada talking about um, advisor accounts versus non-advisor accounts. And the, the actual return rate for or the difference in 2022 for non-advisor accounts uh, to advisor accounts was 3.9. So not quite 4%, but 3.9% better if you had an advisor with your accounts. And you're like, okay, well, what are they doing differently? They got better quality investments. Are they advising us to buy better investments? And that's not necessarily the case. It is part of it. But, um, uh, you know, w with the way things have gone um, in the last little while, the markets are down and people have different behaviors when markets are down. It's general human nature to pull out of the market when markets are down and gravitate towards things that are safe, that are going up. So like Don was mentioning, going into cash accounts because they're paying over 4%, it seems like the natural progression to get out of equities and go into, and go into cash accounts because they're going up and equities were going down. So natural behavior, that's what, that's what happens. So uh, just a quick number. So during during the pandemic, during uh, 2020. So if we start, if we go back to January 2020, and then we fast forward to December 2022, um, people that had advisors as their as their their guidance during their investment process during that time, if you had a hundred thousand dollar investment, that investment grew on average to one hundred eleven thousand dollars. So an eleven percent gain during that time. Um, and there was a pandemic and we just saw a negative return last year. So during that period of time, we had 11% return. During that same period of time, uh, investors that did not have an advisor that did it on their own um, went from $100,000 down to $85,550. So that's a swing of 15% down. But that's not the real story here. The real story is that if you would have just stayed with the advisor and did what he told you to do, um, you would have been up 11% or down 15%. That's a 26% swing. All right. So I talked about 4% difference. That's a 26% swing over that period of time. So January 2020 to December 2022, 26% difference in the portfolio values. So people are worried about what's going on in the markets and worried, you know, if they should be moving money in and out of cash or into equities. I would say listen to your advisor um, more than anything. And if you don't have an advisor, maybe it's time to start thinking about that. You know, we, we use the old age adage, um, it's not about market timing, but it's about time in the market. And then during the, during 
during the pandemic, a lot of people panicked that didn't have advisors because they didn't have that behavioral coach. And that's what I think Don and I really specialize in on a day-to-day basis is doing that behavioral coaching um, with all our clients. We had a call um, call come in yesterday and he said he's getting older and he's worried about the markets. But in 2020 and 2021, the markets were great. He wasn't getting older for some no. reason. He was fine. Right. Uh, that, and we get that all the time when the markets are down. All of a sudden I'm getting older. I'm, I'm closer to retirement. But when the markets are up, we never get those calls. People aren't for some reason they don't get older during good markets. Um, go ahead, it's, 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 it's actually incredible. It's, you're absolutely right. Everybody wants to be more conservative when the markets are down and when the markets are up. Oh, yeah, there's FOMO. They, they do not want it. Their fear of missing out there. They don't want it. You know, this is going to keep going. And they, you know, like you said, they're only a year older. So, you know, whether you're 70 yeah. or 71, you didn't get all older, but it is a change of mindset that really affects returns. Yeah, that's a perfect point. A good segue, Donna. It's, it's about mindset, right? Investor mindset. It's human nature to do. It's natural to get away with, from what's bad. And go to what's good. It's just human nature, um, and that's our job as as financial planners. Uh, we, we're there to talk to you and work through things uh, and make sure. Like a lot of people over over the last couple of years, we see they they try and chase the winners, right? And that you go to what's do, doing well. And we talked about it on the show before. You know, if you look at chasing the winners on average, will get you about four point six nine percent return over over a 20-year period. Um, chasing the losers, so saying, okay, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go after all the, the losers, and hopefully they're doing better next year. That's a 3.67 average rate of return. If you just had proper allocation, proper asset allocation, listen to your advisor, stay the course, 6.63%. So 2% difference, I, again, we talked about 4% being good, just from staying the course and not trying to chase the winners and the losers is a 2% difference. So, uh, you know, talk to your advisor, make sure you sit down with an advisor. If you don't have an advisor now, Don and I are, are accepting new clients. We, tech, we take in about a dozen new clients a year. And I just wanted to give a shout out to a couple of our clients that have referred us over the last little while. Uh, there's a gentleman on the East Mountain that I wanted to say a special thank you to. He's he's given us a bunch of referrals over the last little while, and I just wanted to say thanks. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. Quick break here. Coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jayla Welland are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. This is an interesting topic that's come up uh, in the last little while, especially as we see interest rates fluctuate and, and inflation and such and, and just the amount needed to buy a home uh, is the income, putting a number to the income that is needed to buy a house here in Hamilton. Yes. And there's an article just last week. And I know, Scott, you and I chatted about it uh, over the week, too, on your show. And the average house in Hamilton is now $885,000. Okay. And the headline is you need almost $209,000 per household to afford that house. And so it's like, wow, that's a, that's pretty, 
I don't know too many households on average, certainly, that are going to have 209000 for households. So, in fact, it isn't. It's $88,000 is what the average household in Hamilton makes. So, it works out that if you simply put down the minimum on the average house, you would have to put down uh, $63,500 is the minimum you could put down to that house to get qualified for CMHC financing. That works out to 7.2% down payment. Now, some people say it's 5% down. That is 5% down for under 500000 But then between 500000 to a million, it's 10%. And they blend those two together. So that's how you get to this 7.2% down payment. Well, that still leaves you with a mortgage of $821,000, actually almost eight hundred twenty-two, And your monthly payment would be $4,933 a month. Well, think about it. If, you're only, if your house is making $88,000 and basically 60000 is going just to a mortgage payment, that math just doesn't work. In fact, it works out to 67% of the average household income. And this is pre-tax money, by the way. So I'm not never understood why they do this on a pre-tax level because nobody gets to spend the, the pre-tax amount. So at the end of the day, the average person putting the minimum down, average household cannot afford a house in Hamilton right now. And so you have to save, first of all, on top of that, it would take you about seven and a half years just to save that down payment for that average household. So basically, you um, Canadian uh, Mortgage and Housing Corp, which says CMHC, says that this figure has to be 30% of the household's pre-tax income. And that there worked out to, as I mentioned, 67%. So how can we do this? What's the solution? It's just, it's just the, the math doesn't work here. Now, the average person cannot buy a house based on average house, average income. Great article. So I broke it down a bit further and I said, okay, what, what can you do about this? Well, you're seeing first and foremost, uh, parents are coming to the rescue. And you're seeing this more than ever. So they can help in a, a number of ways. They can gift money. Okay. Um, and, and that's one way to do it. They can lend money and, uh, and they can also, uh, co-sign on a mortgage and that has, everyone has their pros and cons. So if you gift money, okay, if you're the parent and, or a grandparent saying, you know what, my kids need this money to get the down payment and then we're good. Well, then you got to look at where are you getting the money from? Uh, is there going to be capital gains? Are we taking it out of registered, non-registered tax-free savings codes? Where's the best area? Will it affect my old age security? Um, what about our own estate planning? Are we going to be okay? Um, so with, anytime, I, and we've had this a number of times, uh, Jay and myself and the whole team, is when a parent wants to give money, is to rework the numbers. Let's see how this affects your own retirement. Because I know, I know, I saw, I remember one, it wasn't even that large of an amount, but it was $50,000 had a massive impact on her ability to retire. It was borderline before. Yeah, Don, often we see parents saying, you know, well, we'll give them a loan and they're going to pay it back. And how often do we see that it, it really is never paid back? Um, that, yeah, that money, it, you might as well just give it to them and say, this is an actual gift, even though there's a loan attached to it. And from an estate planning perspective, that makes sense, um, especially if there's more than one child in the mix. Um, but often we don't see that money get paid back. So that money is gone. That's not, they can't use that in their cash flow. Um, no, and I, and I had plan. that happen the past week. Somebody had to just pay off a loan that they lent to a friend or, or a relative actually. And it says that we're not getting this money back. Let's just pay it off. You know, especially at these seven percent uh, line of credit rates. So anyway, you're absolutely right, Jay. And so they're also gifting. 
if, if you're there and, and your daughter's son has a partner, um, well, what happens if they split? So you just gave half of a house, half a down payment or whatever it was to an ex-partner, an ex-daughter-in-law, ex-son-in-law, what have you. So this is where maybe lending could make sense. Well, if you lend at zero, there's no tax implications. But if you're charging interest, now it's actually interest added back to you. Okay, so now you have to claim that interest on your tax return. And maybe that wasn't the best way of going about it either. So lastly was co-signing. And co-signing is, is a very good way. It's, a, it's an excellent way to help, you know, allow a child to buy this house. But now it may affect your own credit rating because now they have to make the payments on it. You now basically absorb it. If they miss payments, you now have it. So it limits you maybe in the future of what you can do. But again, these are just three avenues and it's worth discussing all of them. Now, I, one quick shout out to that first time homebuyer savings account. Uh, this is a new opportunity where, where you can put $8,000 per child into these. And I'm finding most of the people looking at doing this are the parents doing it because the kids can't afford it. So if you put $8,000 in, it's also a tax deduction to the child. And it, then it comes out tax-free, just like a tax-free savings account. So this will allow them to save over a few years. It doesn't help the current situation. I want to buy a house tomorrow, but it does help up to $40,000 can be um, brought into these accounts per child. So a great way to save for these uh, houses. But again, it really should come down to sitting down with your financial advisor, going through the different choices and seeing what really makes sense to help out. We have been planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Don Fox, and Jay Llewellyn have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Thank you again, gentlemen, and a fabulous show. And We'll chat again next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.